Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. The colonies were engaged in vicious conflict with the mother country, Britain. Because of this conflict and the protractedness of it, they had accumulated prisoners on both sides. The American colonies had prisoners and the British had prisoners. And the American government initiated a move. They went to the British and they said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. They said, we want to send a man out to discuss this with you. They were holding the American prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. And they said, we want to send a man by the name of Francis Scott Key. He will come out and negotiate to see if we can make a mutual exchange. On the appointed day in a rowboat, he went out to this boat and he negotiated with the British officials. And they reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one -one basis. Francis Scott Key, jubilant with the fact that he'd been successful, went down below in the boats and what he found was a cargo hold full of humanity, men. And he said, men, I've got news for you tonight, you're free. He said, tonight I have negotiated successfully your return to the colonies. He said, you'll be taken out of this boat, out of this filth, out of your chains. As he went back up on board to arrange for their passage to the shore, the admiral came and he said, we have a slight problem. He said, we will still honor our commitment to release these men, but it'll be merely academic after tonight. It won't matter. And Francis Scott Key said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mr. Key, he said, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, Fort Henry? He said, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. He said, how are you going to do that? He said, if you will, scan the horizon of the sea. And as he looked, he could see hundreds of little dots. And he said, that's the entire British war fleet. He said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon to demolish that fort. It will be here within striking distance in a matter of about two and a half hours. He said, the war is over. These men would be free anyway. He said, you can't shell that fort. He said, that's, that's a large fort. He said, it's full of women and children. He says, it's predominantly not a military fort. He said, don't worry about it. They said, we've left them a way out. And he said, what's that? He said, do you see that flag way up on the rampart? He said, we have told them that if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately. And we'll know that they've surrendered, and you'll now be under British rule. Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And they said, how many ships? He said, hundreds. The ships got closer. Francis Scott Key went back up on top and he said, men, I'll shout down to you what's going on as we watch. As twilight began to fall and as the haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset, suddenly the British war fleet unleashed. He says the sound was deafening. There were so many guns that there were no reliefs. He said it was absolutely impossible to talk or hear. He said suddenly the sky, although dark, was suddenly lit. And he says from down below, all he could hear the men, the prisoners, saying was, Tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? 
Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling. Every time the bomb would explode and it would be close to the flag, they could see the flag in the illuminated red glare of that bomb. And Francis Scott Key would report down to the men below, it's still up. It's not down. The admiral came and he said, your people are insane. He said, what's the matter with them? He said, don't they understand this is an impossible situation? Francis Scott Key said he remembered what George Washington had said. He said the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is he will die on his feet before he'll live on his knees. The Admiral said we have now instructed all of the guns to focus on the rampart to take that flag down. He said we don't understand something. Our reconnaissance tells us that that flag has been hit directly again and again and again, and yet it's still flying. We don't understand that. But he said, now we're about to bring every gun for the next three hours to bear on that point. Francis Scott Key said the barrage was unmerciful. All that he could hear was the men down below praying. The prayer. God keep that flag flying where we last saw it. Sunrise came. He said there was a heavy mist hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough. There stood the flag, completely nondescript, in shreds. The flag pole itself was at a crazy angle. The flag was still at the top. Francis Scott Key went aboard and immediately went into Fort Henry to see what had happened. And what he found had happened was that that flagpole and that flag had suffered repetitious direct hits. And when hit had fallen, but men, fathers, knew what it meant for that flag to be on the ground. Although knowing that all of the British guns were trained on it, walked over and held it up humanly until they died. Their bodies were removed and others took their place. Francis Scott Key said what held that flagpole in place at that unusual angle were patriots' bodies. He penned the song, Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming or the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet fly and wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? The debt was demanded. The price 
it was paid. Oh, say, can you see by the golden what so comes to mind. There's no doubt about it. Hi, my name is Brian Johnson of ACDC. And tonight's program is about one of rock music's most iconic figures. My predecessor in the band, the late great Bon Scott. There's a lot being written about the colourful life and the tragic death of Bon. And tonight, we're going to hear from Bon's family for the first time in 40 years and others who haven't spoken publicly in decades. Tonight, this is his Australian story. Market, 32-1. Uh, hello, this is Bon from ACDC. And although we're overseas at the moment, dining with the Queen, of course, you know, we haven't forgotten about you. Well, you have a trouble with 
it was the best rock and roll song I've ever seen. To this day, I don't think there's a rock and roll singer in the world that can hold their own against him. Bond was part poet, part pirate, part street fighter. He used to always say to me, I'm not here for a long time, I'm here for a good time. I said, Ron, you're going to bloody, you're going to kill yourself. You're fucking going mad, you know. Do something about it. Oh, <laughs> he wanted to go home. He wanted to be with his family. Unfortunately, he went for the bottle instead. making it in London, I lost my first name. I became Bon Scott's brother. Everyone knew me as Bon's brother for about 30 years. I mean, it's nice, everyone's interested, and I reckon that's fantastic. But leave me out of it. People would ask me, oh yeah, you're Bon's brother, you're Bon's brother, and they start asking me questions. That's his life, that's not my life. Even at the cemetery, if people seen me at the cemetery, I'd say, no, no, I'm, a, I'm an uncle or something like that. A lot of the stories that have been written in the books are bullshit. A lot of what was written early upset my mother greatly. This is the first interview I've ever done and it will be the last one I ever do. And I'm only doing it because I'm the last person standing. <laughs> the Scott family had a bakery in Kerrymere in Scotland. My father wanted a new start and, uh, and settled in Fremantle. Ron was about five. My mother used to call him Ronnie. So it was Ronnie Scott from Bonnie, Scotland. It wasn't until he started in the band that they broke it down to Bon. But in the family, we always called him Ron. It was a musical family. The father was always in the pipe bands. Ron got involved. He played the drums. He loved the drums. He was very quiet when you were with him by yourself. But when Bonnie was around a lot of people, he he was a performer. He enjoyed the cheekiness of it all. He wanted to be the centre of attention a lot. He loved being the centre of attention. I put it down to his size. Because he was only five foot tall at the time, you could not dare Ron to do anything because he would do it. He would take the challenge up. And I think that was because he was trying to prove himself here. When Ron was 16, he got mixed up with the law. 
He did 12 months in the Riverbank Institution. I don't know what went down. And my parents never talked about that. Bonnie had sex with a girl that was 15. It was consensual, but in those days, it was carnal knowledge. I presume that he thought she was his age. Ron was 16 at the time. Bonnie never spoke about it. Bonnie was embarrassed. Bonnie was very embarrassed. Um, and the fact that his grandmother died while he was in detention. He knew he let his parents down. But Ron's time in there, the 12 months, is probably the best 12 months he's ever spent. And not only taught him a little bit of responsibility and, and, and everything else and settled him down, but while he was in there, the other people in there were playing guitars, so they formed a band. And when he came out, he, he, he had a direction. The minute he got out, he knew what he wanted to do and he formed the Spectres. They would do covers of, of all their favourites like Chuck Berry. He was playing drums. But he also loved the spotlight of being a singer, so he was a little bit torn between drumming and singing. I was in a band. We were opposition bands in a very small club scene. I suggested to Bon that we join ranks and have form one band and have two lead singers. Then we formed a band called The Valentine. Bonnie was down the back singing some harmonies and hardly noticeable, really, in The Valentines. But he was definitely... On the live gigs, he was the star of the show. And Vince knew it too. The Valentines were the first band in Australia to be busted for smoking marijuana. Banned. Yeah, some well, places uh, The radio them. stations and the ABC yeah, wouldn't play, play the... their music or they weren't allowed to go on any of the shows. Yeah, so it was a big thing. Yeah. And we lost our momentum and lost our drive. Bon and I decided that we would leave the band and that uh, we'd get on with our other things. I sort of just wanted to start again type thing, you know, because uh, the Valentine's reached a pretty big height and then there was nowhere to, nowhere to go, like, and music wasn't up there anymore. As it turns out, there was a vacancy in a band called Fraternity, and the bass player, Bruce Howe, invited Bond to join the band. Fraternity were a band that took themselves very seriously. They were writing their own music, and they had huge musical ambitions. I saw Bond singing in the Valentines. I couldn't understand why he wasn't being uh, used more. And I thought, what's he doing? I mean, look, he could really, really go places. I said I'm sorry. 
He seemed to me to be much happier in his new role where he was the man. There was no question that Bond wanted to be a rock star and go as far as he could possibly go. He lived for it. He lived for it. First prize, $2,000 in cash, a return trip to Los Angeles by P&O from Adelaide Fraternity. The band was really interested in going to America, but Bond's past had caught up with him, and now his misdemeanors and his marijuana possession from the Valentines prevented him from getting a green card. So it was decided that the band would go to England. Towards the end of 71, Bond met Irene. She sort of moved in. The management decided that only wives would get a free trip to England, girlfriends had to pay. Four months later, they were married. The band and their entourage ended up moving to England. There was 17 people, including the roadies, and they were hoping that they would be the next big thing in England. London was a disaster, I think, for the band. They found it very hard to get work. It felt very quickly to me, it felt like we were the wrong band at the wrong wrong time. We went to England and we got a house, like 20 people in one house, a three-bedroom house, and, and we played gigs that cost us twice as much money to play as it did to get paid for them, you know? It wasn't a waste of time because I learned so much there, you know? But it was a, you know, bashing head against a brick wall type thing. Bond's performance style at that time was, well, basically was, there was no style. He would just stand there and sometimes with his head down. He stuck to the microphone stand like a security blanket and he didn't, didn't use the stage. And I'd say, you know, you, you've got to reach the audience at the back of the room rather than sort of just the people that are down the front. And we'd talk about how to uh, use television, you know, look down, straight down the barrel, follow the camera. Bond was like a sponge and he was learning and taking and, and, and grabbing, you know, bits to make his... Hmm. A bit of a pause in the situation here. That's right. I might even get my guitar and um, play some TNT for this episode. I think after this finishes in fifteen minutes. His craft better, and fraternity was where Bond learnt to sing. Was where Bond learnt to be a front man. Uh, I think. All, I think it was a really great uh, place for him to, to launch out of. with Brian Johnson's band in England, two shows, and Bond and I were standing at the back of the hall, and he said to me, he said, this guy's really good, you know, a good, good singer. Bond and Brian sort of like struck up a little bit of a friendship over the two days. 
was drink involved and we, we would just got on famously with our brand new friends who were musicians from Australia and we'd never been there. We wanted to hear all about it. But after a couple of years of struggle, fraternity had to admit defeat in England and they came back to Australia and they basically fell apart. And that put a strain on all their relationships. Bon and Irene basically had separated. He's not in a band for the first time in 10 years. He had to get a day job at the uh, Wallaroo fertiliser plant at, on the Port Adelaide docks and he thought his dreams were over. If we didn't work for, for a week or so, uh, that's it. He would go nuts. It was a pattern. He was really, really steady until he got bored and he wasn't working. That's when he would start doing wild things. You know. There was no future, there was only now. And he would take risks on his motorbike. He didn't give a bugger whether he lived or died the next day. There was a pattern with Ron. Yeah. He, he, he did get bored very quickly. He never worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day. Bond's life was about fun. I think he used to push the envelope. It, it was just in his nature. <laughs> My mother always told him off, you're drinking so much. And that was from 16, 17. But you could say it once, maybe twice. After that, he argued. Bonnie was a wonderful bloke, you know, I loved him heaps. We lived under the same roof for five years. The only thing that mattered to him in the world was was getting up there and being a you know a successful front band. I just couldn't understand why he didn't bloody care about everybody who loved him. That's really what the anger's about. You know, you go, my God, you know, we all knew that this wasn't going to end well. took a turn for the worse when Bon had an argument. Bon was upset, he had a bit to drink, and against all advice, he roared off on his motorbike into the night. <coughs> on the 3rd of May, 1974, we were heading back from Port Adelaide after going to the Finden Hotel and driving along with my Pride and Droy, uh, my uh, 1956 FC Holden. Looked up the road and there were no cars coming. We saw some headlights in the distance. As we were turning right into Rosetta Street, a motorcycle came out from nowhere. It's funny, I know all about this area. It's not too far from me, to be honest with you. motorcycle hit the, the car, the rider came half through the windscreen and his helmet 
hit the head, uh, hit the roof of the vehicle. It was a, a shocking set of injuries. He had blood coming down from his helmet. It was about 36 hours later on Sunday morning, uh, we opened up the Sunday Mail and we learned then that Bon Scott from Fraternity uh, uh, was the victim of the accident. My mother, she flew straight over because they, they were told he might not make it. Um, so it was pretty serious. He had a fractured skull. Um, he had crushed ribs. He had all his, you know, his teeth were missing. His jaw was wired up and he was a mess. I was angry and so disappointed I didn't even go and visit him. Bon was out of action for months. He had to end up working for Vince Lovegrove, putting posters up and driving bands around. He had a limp. Um, he, he found it very difficult to walk. He had a walking stick uh, and um, he was worried that he would not be able to get up and, and uh, sing again. His problem was he was 27. He knew most people were finished by the time they were 28, 30. I think he thought his time was coming to an end. He had to do it quick and he had nowhere to go at that time. Although the crash was tragic, it was also serendipitous. But for the crash, Bon mightn't have been in town when a new young hotshot band called ACDC came to Adelaide Bang. a couple months later. ACDC weren't happy with their lead singer Dave Evans. At the time, the guy we had doing churning out the vocals, you know, we felt well. We wanted more rock and roll. Bond's old friend Vince Lovegrove suggested that ACDC take a look at Bond. I said, oh, he's a bit old, isn't he? And I said, mate, he'll, he'll rock the ass off you guys. Make no mistake about that. Bond came to see ACDC right here at the Bridgeway Hotel in Adelaide. He got up and sang a few songs that night with them. I was really shitting myself. Here's me, a man at 27 years old, you know. There was him about 18 at the time, you know, 16 or whatever he was, you know. And, and I thought, can I keep up with this guy? You know, my God, you know, he's going to kill me. I think from the moment he got on stage, he was just, a, you know, uh, you know, just one of those people that had that presence. So we more or less asked him if he was looking for a gig, you know. That was it. Bob didn't hesitate. He packed his bags and he was off with ACDC. Going to be a rock and roll singer. There was no question that he was he was staying. There was no question that he was accepted as being the new lead singer, the new singer in the band. Word got round, it went round like like wildfire that Bond was asked to join the band. It did not surprise me one bit. I just thought it was a match made in heaven. He had a tooth missing. He had tattoos all over him. He was loud. He was cussing. But he just fitted in so well with the band, it was ridiculous. Bob was totally more extroverted. I couldn't believe the change from uh, fraternity to ACDC. It was just like a different person. <laughs> 
was just a photographer's dream, really, to photograph Bond. He was very excited, uh, like a kid in a candy shop. He was, um, you know, his dream was actually coming true. This was the real deal. I remember sitting in the studio watching them record, and it was just they was they were just on. They were fucking on, uh, and it was. They were certainly on. There's no doubt about it. You know, it was it was frightening to watch. I wasn't just sitting in a chair like I'm sitting in playing some guitar. They were just absolutely as if they had 10,000 people watching you, just going for it. I had goosebumps right through me. All the while, Bond had his notebook of phrases and lyrics, and it was lightheartedly called toilet poetry. Lines he thought were appealing, potential lyrics. you got to keep your eyes and ears open for lines and words and all, you know, and ideas and just pictures, you know? And and so... And kangaroos. Kangaroos, yeah. And, and you ride around, you know? They were definitely ribald. I mean, just about every song had something to do with sex. But very clever. He wrote poetry from the street. It wasn't pretty, but it was real. It was working class. This is how the people who bought ACDC records talked. They related to Bond's words. Many people see your use of indecent language in your act as, well, outrageous. Do you see it as an essential part of your act? <laughs> I've never said fuck on stage yet. <laughs> you just said it <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one, fader. When Countdown began on ABC TV... Go! That was sort of almost tailor-made for ACDC. Colour television, this explosive band, and over the next few years, ACDC will appear on Please Countdown don't go. 40 times. They would absolutely thrive on the atmosphere of having the audience there touchable. really gave him the opportunity of working the stage. He just ate up television. He was made for it. It was all about young Australian artists that were coming forward with completely new approaches to um, music for them from the time of the of the 70s. scribble on the back of his book, you know, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, which, you know, I think said it all, you know, especially for a band like us, you know, we felt, well, we're going to just be playing rock and roll music, you know, you know, it will be a, you know, a long way to the top. Long way to the top. Hmm. I can play that. I can play a lot of um, ACDC, actually, and I just found a freaking bread clip that I can use as a plug shot. This will be fantastic.
When Molly said to me, okay, long way to the top, I think this is going to be a number one hit. It's going to be massive. So Bond wants to be able to include the bagpipes in any sort of clip that we might do. So my thought was, how about we put ACDC on the back of a truck and have them sing the song as they're going down Swanson Street? Bond was wrapped. He loved the idea of the Angus. Everybody thought it was great. I was recently amazed to hear that there has been over 35 million viewings of that clip. And the whole clip was made for about 300 bucks. The vision was that they were going to go out and conquer the world. Nothing was going to stop them. Probably from the beginning, you know, we had that arrogance that we could do it. You know, we, we had no fear. We're down in Louisiana. I always thought as a band, you know, we, we could go out and down in New stand Orleans. up with any band in the world. You know. Johnny. <laughs> By 1976, ACDC had gone as far as they could in Australia. <laughs> they were hugely popular. So in April 76, they went to London. And Bond was probably thinking, well, this is, this is my second chance. It didn't work for the fraternity. This has to work this time. Well, here we are. Welcome to Countdown in London. And uh, we've been searching around. What better group to start off with in London than our own Australian group? And it's ACDC. Fancy meeting you here, mate. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it Bon absolutely knew that he was in a band that was going to take over the world. He really did. Yeah, you took more at home here than I've ever seen anywhere in my life. Yeah, Piccadilly Square is a place where people come to sit and look at other people sitting and looking at other people. Yeah. I wonder who else in past history has put Australia on the map more prominent than ACDC, a.k.a. Bon Scott. Wasn't big noting himself or the band he just saw the whole, the future. So when did this build-up sort of first start occurring? We sort of played around here pretty regularly. We've got a really good following in London, you know? Yeah. Like, even the first gig we ever played at a little pub called The Red Cow, the next night half that pub was in the, uh, in the Nashville Room, another place we played, you know? And they just sort of tell their friends. Another band that came out that got very popular was um, Cold Chisel as well down here. They used to rub shoulders with some people I used to hang out with. Um, one lady actually dated him and um, was talking about gunshots in the roof of the freaking building and everything down at the pub. Yeah, crazy days down here in Adelaide, guys. And they all come along. That's good. They were probably the hardest working band on the planet at that stage. I mean, they toured relentlessly. They started in the UK, then spread out to Europe. Hello, this is Bond from ACDC. Tell you to stick around because really soon we've got our brand new single, Jailbreak, coming up. I said, I ain't spending my life here. I ain't living alone. As ACDC became more successful, that gave Bon more of a platform to live life to the fullest. He was becoming famous. I'm looking around the sky. 
and he, he's standing allowed him to party, almost an excuse to party. I think he was living his dream as, as a rock and roll. The girls, the drink, the drugs, he was on stage, he was performing, you know, he was in his element. When they came back in the late 70s, he was drinking more excessively then. It was a bit of a worry to see him uh, going that way. He could drink like a fish, of course, but uh, and and when you know when you look at where I came from, that's saying something, you know. Bon, uh, you know, really, he head and shoulders above us. He never acknowledged that he had an alcohol problem. He never, at any stage, I never ever heard him say, oh, "I've got to cut back." Well. Or you know, take it easy, or whatever. The last time I saw him was uh, getting close towards the end of '79. He seemed to have changed. He wasn't bubbly and, and laughing, and uh, in fact, he didn't laugh very much at all that day. Grog does that. He bought a forty-ounce bottle of scotch. He started asking me questions about what he loved and having a kid and why did I put that in front of going going for it, you know, like like he did, you know. His holy grail had always been to get to the top in the rock and roll business and maybe he'd come to, to the stage where he's achieved his dream. You know, he found his holy grail. But the holy grail was third. Want to just look like an empty goblet? What was it all about? It's interesting that you know, because a lot of the thing with the drink, I'll tell you about that one, is that um, it's a suppressant of memories and thoughts and stuff. And when he's not drinking, he's probably got a lot of deep emotional issues to deal with, so he's masking it. And um, that can be a downfall, though, because. You need more and more like any other drug, I guess, to mask it more and more. But there's one day you've got to come out of that bottle. And that's the scary thing with, I guess, alcoholism or... I call it jumping into a bottle. Done that before and um, closing the lid. And some people can do it from very early age. And then they could reach 10, 20 years later and they stop and then they've got to re relive these demons it, um, it's a very very freaking thin line guys he said uh, I really am getting sick of this you know I'm sick of being on the road I, I, all I want to do is go into the country somewhere I'd like to settle down and live an ordinary life like anyone else and just play guitar exactly get peace of mind somewhere there I believe there was a deep core of um, unhappiness he was lonely he was lonely for companionship, See, and I think... That's the thing. Loneliness and boredom is the devil's playground as well. It's a catch-22. Sounds great. I'm going to a retreat. I'm going to go to the country. I'm going to get my mind cleared, but, yeah. 
these two issues can play a big part when in the devil's playground aspect. He was now looking for someone to spend the rest of his life with. He was talking about wanting to return to Perth because that's where he felt the most comfortable and buying a property here. He was looking in Spearwood, which was near his <coughs> mum and dad. I think he was lonely. A lot of the guys in ACDC, well, most of them were married then, and he wasn't. Welcome to the room. Uh, I think he he was starting to feel it at the end. I think yes. By the time the Highway to Hell album came out, everything was just falling into place. All their hard work, building up an audience, tour by tour in America. Within the next 12 months, they're expected to be one of the biggest acts on the planet. The next album was going to be the one that was really going to kick them over the posts. And it was the first time in his life that he had, you know, he'd actually felt he was accomplishing something. He got to be who... This is Angus Young talking, if you haven't picked up on who's commentary here and there during the interview or the, the documentary. Wanted to be... And the more we work, the more we tour, we're getting more ideas and we're getting more, you know. Oh, this is going to get better and better. I can't see an end to it, you know. It's like, it's like infinity rock and roll. Over the years, there's been all sorts of theories and beliefs of, of what really happened to Bond. The band were in London. Malcolm and Angus were in the studio, putting some rough ideas down for the next album. But Bond wasn't required at that point, so he sort of had some time to himself. It was My understanding is that he went out and met up with friends and drank way too much. And he came back with a friend. Alistair drove Bond back to Bond's place, but Bond had passed out on the way. He couldn't lift him, so he thought, well, I'll take him back to my place, which he did. Bond was sound asleep, and uh, Alistair went upstairs and made Bond as comfortable as he could in the car. They came down apparently and threw a blanket over him so he wouldn't be cold, and then the rest is history that he died the next morning. coroner found that Bond had died of acute alcohol poisoning and death by misadventure. Bond passing as he did, on his own, in a car in the freezing cold, after all his hard work and all his heartbreak getting there, was just an incredibly sad, lonely and unglamorous way to go out. It was just something that shouldn't have happened and it did happen tragically happened. I hate to say this, but unfortunately when Ron died and I heard the circumstances, I wasn't surprised. 33-1. That pattern of getting bored and, and restless. He was only away from the studio for a few days in London. His boredom that he, that he faced here, for him that was excruciating. He drank far, far too much. I, I did wonder if, if he would push it too far one day, and uh, sadly, 
Yeah, Mojo, he was a um, Persian Oz Minute. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. I must do a show about him, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. I haven't spoken about him before in the past, actually. He obviously did. I think Bruce pretty well got it right. I really do. Because boredom was a big thing. That, um, that was his biggest problem. I think when he got bored, he drank. It was a terrible time for the band. They were devastated and didn't know whether to continue or not. But it was Bond's parents that were very much behind. You know, they said Bond would never have wanted them to stop. So uh, we decided we'd go ahead, you know. Yeah. And Bond always, I always remembered Bond telling, telling us how good a, good a vocalist was, Brian was. As soon as I started playing and I was singing with them and everything, my hairs were standing on end and, uh, you know, it was just, it was it was fantastic. It was It was wonderful. I'd never thought... I've never sang with a band this good. That was Brian Johnson. With Brian Johnson and the Back in Black album. ACDC just really, really took off. And to this day, decades on, they're still the biggest rock act in the world. Which was bittersweet because it was where Bond was going to be. Thousands upon thousands of Akadaka fans have come down here to Fremantle to pay tribute to the band and the former frontman, Bon Scott. The thing about Bon Scott is that as time has gone by, his legend has become bigger. He is now considered by millions of people around the world the rock and roll singer, the rock and roll frontman. There's an astounding global legacy that he's left all these years later. Those songs just live on. The stories have grown, haven't they? 42 years later, people want to know more about him uh, than ever. And it's um, it's hard to believe. It really is hard to believe. You know, I wish he was here to know that, that he'd made it. He really did make it. Ron would have been 75. If Ron could see what was happening in the world today over himself, I think he'd have a good laugh. He really would. He'd be surprised, but he'd have a good laugh. And a drink. Probably be a podcast. He certainly inspired me. I think that's what he was more than anything to me, an inspiration. Even when I hear him talking in old interviews, I still laugh. Even if I've seen it 20 times, I still laugh and chuckle along with him. And uh, its uh, he was a special guy. He really was. I, I wish I had got to know him more. But I didn't. Yeah, that's right. Well... There's a bit of history about Bon. What I'm going to do, I'm going to play one song. I'm going to try and tune this little mofo that I've got here, and then I'll play some um, maybe TNT after it. Enjoy this one, guys.
used to know, well, I used to play that quite frequently years ago. I lost the actual <coughs> um, chords and everything. I don't know what was going on there. I had a brain freeze. But there's one I remember, one of the first songs I actually ever learnt on the guitar was TNT. So I'll try and put this device up here. It might come through a bit shitty. I'll try and give it a try. <clears throat> right. So I'll play along to this one, ACDC. And she loads up and getting that. Yeah. Getting that here, trying to get the sound right so it, nothing overplays too much with each other. And we should rock and roll. Uh, read this stupid ad. Right, let's do it. Let's do some TNT.
Alright. Let's take it out with some live wire. This used to be the intro to my earliest podcast that used to be called Live Wire. Catch us on the next episode. Take care. about 15 years ago yeah that's right this is going back nearly 15 years live wire and this was my introduction Flashbacks to revert back to this instead of strange days this year, 
very weird that this song come to mind at the present time, to be honest with you. Very psychologically evaluating things in the background. There's no doubt about it. As the good book says, remember the old ways. Remember the old paths. Retreat back to them and you may find the path of where you should be. Very interesting. There might be a, a key here. I think we're onto something. I think we're onto an evolution of the Osman back, a D evolution. <laughs> sticker um, connotations if I do revert back to those um, days if you know what I mean so don't get too scared guys no romper stomper going on here there's no doubt about it Yes, it would be if I had people to jam with, mate. Unfortunately, I'm a, I'm a solo. I'm the Lone Ranger, if you know what I mean. South Lone Ranger, man. <clears throat> There's no doubt about it. Well, I want to, before I end this, because I've got probably, no, I've still got heaps of time. I've only done an hour and 15. What I'm going to do is I'm, um, I'm going to play some of this because I don't think no one's really much heard it around the world. It's a Bon Scott. And um, it's called Can I Sit Next to You, Girl? And which I think has got a really, what makes you... really um, amazing rift, um, happy sort of tune. It gets people in a really good mood. Listen to the words of this, you know. I think it's um, a really well put song that's not really been played much in the people that know about ACDC. <laughs> It's actually one of my favourite riffs or songs from Bond. I put Bond in a different category to Johnson. Oh, let me be clear. I'm a Bond Scott fan, not a Brian Johnson fan, as much, as good as they might become or have become. Um, my heart's with Bond, not Brian. So it's just the way it rolls. Oh, 
show about something that I should be on. What? Who is it? D-E-W. Never heard of them, man. Oh, okay. Do they want me over there or come over and have a yarn if they want? What do they want to talk about? Bunkers and stuff. Direct energy weapons. Oh, yeah, Jews. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, direct energy weapons. Yeah, I know all about that shit. What do they want me to come over and have a yarn with them? I can come over. How are you going, Alaskan? Welcome. Um, yeah, I, I can come and um, talk to them about it if they want. All right. Well, um, I'll probably be having about 15 minutes. I'm trying to um, end this. And if anyone would, oh, actually, if anyone would like to call in, I've got plenty of time. I'm only an hour and 15, so I don't mind taking calls. Oh, here we go. Asking ye she shall receive, said the Lord. And, um, you got to get your finger right on the Hello. finger right on the. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine, mate. You're coming through. I can hear. Good, good. What's up, Paz? Oh, I don't know, man. I was. Uh, uh, I'm uh, you know, <clears throat> sorry for the losses that have happened. I've had a few myself, and I just wanted to say I'm here for you. And this is a rock and show. It's good to hear you good in your spirits and. You know, fucking, you know, I got your back. Whenever you need me, I'm here. Yeah, I appreciate it. <clears throat> and I just wanted to say that. No, I appreciate You know, I know you're far away, but, like, you know, what affects you affects, you know, what affects your country also affects us. We all see it, you know? Absolutely. And I just wanted to tell you Absolutely. Thank you, you know? And uh, I like the show and stuff like that. I, you know, I always try to make it, like, when I'm when I'm listening one way or another, I always try to make your show. Yeah, I appreciate it. So tomorrow, yeah, I appreciate it. 6 p.m. Pacific time. I don't know what time that would be for you. Uh, but we'll be talking about, uh, and I'd like you to come on and speak about it. We'll be talking about neo-feudalism and the rise of that. And, what, what state? Um, we'll be what, talking. What state? What's that? The, what do you mean? What state is it held from? Like, I don't know about Greenwich Mean Times. Oh, I'm I'm in Washington. I'm in Washington State, and then I have a friend that's going to be a guest speaking tomorrow because uh, Doctor Clutch is in uh, Japan. It would be about for two weeks. PM roughly now, where you are. Uh, six PM uh, my time Pacific. So I, I don't know exactly what time that would be for you over in yeah. um, Australia. You just tell me what what time it is in yours. Then, if it's six PM there, tell me what. So, what time is it going to be tomorrow in your time? Oh, it'll be six PM my time. Oh, okay. So it's about this time. Yep. Yeah. Oh, good. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, mate. I'll, I'll come in and see who, who's who's hosting the show. Uh, I got a buddy, a couple buddies. Uh, this one, uh, my friend Nathan Elfes Freeman was a person I played music with. 
in different band projects and uh he's got a lot to say although we don't always agree on things he's kind of anti-capitalism but um if the left and the right can come together and uh and realize that the elites are the real problem and the real vampires that we can we can come together and and just discuss stuff you know and, and and i'm trying to limit the amount of topics on the show to uh uh, you know what we're talking about right now. Uh, we're also going to be talking about a documentary that talks called "The Great Taking." I don't know if you've seen that, but it's basically how the banks want to bankrupt us all and take all of our property. So it's kind of wrapped into like the elite, and then uh, there's a lot of talk right now about what's happening in Texas. Was uh, you know Biden just came out and said that it, uh, alluded to having the right color roof, you'd avoid the fire. And as you know about, uh, yep, directly there. Yeah, down in uh, Lahaina, uh, that's some of the speculation. Yeah, but it's yeah, it was not only there. There's there's other countries. I think it was Japan or China that are doing the blue roof thing as well. And there was a fire that went through there or whatever laser energy weapons that that um, spared them. I have I have seen a guy that actually done a um a spectrum on a, on a paper, and as he went through with the laser, it burnt every other. Have you seen that where it's burnt every other thing except the blue color? So that is there's no it's not it's yeah. woohoo to other people, but on the spectrum of lasers, it, it does make sense. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, if you looked at the ice cube thing that we talked about in Antarctica with that Raytheon whistleblower. Uh, where, you know, they inadvertently triggered a couple of earthquakes in Christchurch, New Zealand, when they put that operation online, um, you know, it's starting to get kind of real with that. And and then, you know, there's this, you know, kind of a theory I have that they're, they're attempting to destroy the rural populations to bring them in the city for the smart cities. Right. You know, and the best way to do that is claim it's a wildfire. Yeah. And then, and you use a weapon from outer space. Why not? I mean, who's going to believe it? Except, for, you know, well, not the masses, but those that do research it would see it. You know. Yeah, we we had the the main fires. When funny enough, it was straight up through the um the valley of where they want to put the Belt and Road um, initiation over here in Australia, from I think Melbourne to Queensland, and all those towns. Yeah. And everything was virtually in a straight line where they want to put this um, railway system. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's all stuff. Yeah, you also had like they caught people setting fires, I believe, that were quote unquote like echo terrorists for that they had caught that had caused all those fires. Maybe it was I don't know how long ago, four years ago or something like that. Maybe a little longer. Yep. Wasn't yep. it northern Australia? Yeah, they, these people should be hung and tortured for for days um, to do something like that. <laughs> Just not just the wild land, and let alone the people and everything. Fires are a, a, a bad, bad thing, man. I I hate it. I, I yeah, I know. Yeah, so devastating. Yeah, well, just prior to the pandemic, too. You know, go go ahead. I was just saying, I'd rather be in a flood zone, which they can't create. But fires, yeah, they caught them over here in Australia, or um, deliberately far left. I guess you could call them far left in America wing freaks yeah little uh dyed hair you know yeah the freak shows well uh you know i know you've done shows on antarctica again there was a recent robert sapphire uh uh documentary where he exposed uh a lot of stuff about antarctica including the uh 
the McCarthy hearings being a red herring for something else. Mm, I actually watched that. It's, pretty it's only about a oh. half an hour, 20 minute one, wasn't it? it? I think I watched that yesterday. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen that one until yesterday. So is that just a recent thing that's come out? Is it? Uh, well, you did one about the, the mythology of the hollow earth. But the one before that was um, yeah. tied to the what we were talking about last time with the UN treaty, yeah. and uh, apparently it has something to do with a, a remnant that uh, got out of uh, Germany. Oh, the um, yep. well, yeah. Well, there's there's a base there called uh, Schwaben, I think they call it. Yeah. It was a German. Yes. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. That's not like a conspiracy. New Schwabenland, I think they call it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. They had gotten away with, like, submarines and uh, some of the higher technologies, and those that surrendered were really there to kind of infiltrate. Well, I, and I, so I the whole thing of the marks already erased there, though. I've I got a strong feeling when I think it's an integration. It's a bit like ancient Sumer when you think about the Anunnaki and that. Where did they come from? Like, a lot of people say they come from out of space. Yeah, sure, they might have had flying ships. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they come from Orion or Pleiades or anything like that. It could just be that they're a well, brand civilization from our known civilization. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Possible. Well, that's what Dr. Robert Sala says, you know. Yeah. And then the another week, the second week coming up, the second Saturday coming up, we're going to have um, a, a, a Nordic uh, heathen priests talk about his spirituality and talk about myths and uh you know he's he's kind of local to this area kind of started a few uh um <clears throat> you know uh you know like his own kindred out here to be able to, to practice his religion and we're going to have him in and talk about his opinion towards uh well the general of the area in general which is where I live in Spokane, Washington, but, uh, yeah. you know, about witches and Satanism and his ass thoughts and, you know, what he's, what he's done and how he got to the, where he got, you know, mm. and, uh, and then Clutch will be back. and we'll be... satanic area, like a vibration when you think about it, all the Masonic and, um, yeah, all, all the way that it's structured, you're in a very energetic sort of platform on earth, Washington of all places. Yeah. Well, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, is considered by the natives to be um, a spiritual center, okay, uh, or a ley line. Uh, that in this area, just recently, it was reported that Spokane has the most UFO sightings. Spokane, okay. and uh, I thought that was in in America and then, Idaho. Did you say? Go ahead. Yeah, Idaho and well, I'm right on the border. Spokane and and Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, are right next to oh, each okay. other. Yeah, and we've had we've had a lot of activity out here, and of course we also have a lot of um, Sasquatch sightings out here too. In fact, uh, I've had a couple myself. There is a there is a uh, reservation place that I go park. Uh, it's a it's a campground on the reservation, yeah. and it's one of the only few campgrounds out here uh, that doesn't require a season pass by the government, so you can go pay for it. All you have to do is pay a little bit of money to go out there. Yeah, yeah nice. And uh, and it is called South Skokum Lake and North Skokum Lake. Skokum in native is Bigfoot. Oh, you, you must love it. So I, we got a bit of everything. I'd love to go there. That'd be awesome. Oh, wow. 
I would love to have you. You're always welcome. You know, like well, in some way or another. I hope that the vibe you must beyond your element when you go there. Just, I there's a weird energy yeah, out there. It, 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 it is so straight away. I've never even seen it, but I just know what it would look like. It'd just be yeah, pristine, absolutely nice. It is. It is quiet. It is. You can feel the like when the when out here when the when the sun sets you can feel it compressed down and the wind gets heavier and heavier and heavier and then just pitch black and then there's a weird like and i'll explain i think i was being watched out there one night i heard howling at 2 a.m i couldn't sleep because there was so much animal activity and around 2 a.m i heard uh I, you know, I had had candles out because there was a lot of insects when I went. I went by myself and I ended up camping in an area that was right at the edge of the forest. And I think I attracted something because I heard knocks and those like screams that they've heard like recorded out there. Yeah. And I've never felt like I've been watched before. You know, I've I've heard people say, oh, I I feel like I'm being watched. Right. And I heard what sounded like. If they can communicate with you, the Sasquatch and the um, Dogman even, if they can communicate telepathically, I think that you'd be highly susceptible to know that they're watching you. So it's not a paranoid sort of feeling that they're actually they, they're I telling like- you in your brain. Not that they want to do it, but they're that advanced or whatever they are with their things, you know. To be like a cat can see. It doesn't mean I they're felt- anything better than us. It's just like they've got a different ability, yeah. I felt like something was trying to talk to me. I said, I, 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 uh, who are you? What's going on? And I'm like, are, am I, am I, I actually said, am I speaking with Bigfoot? And I heard a voice in my head say yes. And I wasn't sure. Report that. A lot of people report that it's telepathic. It's not even, it's, it's so bizarre. It's really weird with the Bigfoot encounters. I'll get the, you. Yeah. The, well, I've had two. I've, yeah. I've, I had one, uh, the first year we came here, uh, my wife and I, we first, it was right before a huge snow in 2018 going into 2019. And we had gotten up here to, uh, moved from California up here. And we heard what sounded like walking on my deck and on my roof. Yeah. And then it just huge storm hit. And, uh, it, you know, real cold, most of the night, most of that winter, we kind of slept because we weren't used to the, the the night being what it was and weird and didn't hear anything. And then that springtime came and we started getting a, a fast knock at our door. And I'd open the door and there was nothing there. My dogs would bark. Um, and I thought, oh, it must be kids pranking or something, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I opened the door one day and for me, like – Okay, I'm a I'm a sensitive person. I think I've told some of my stories to you. Uh, when I'm whenever I'm near something that like isn't really like what people would say is supposed to exist, like time slows down for me. You're high. And so I opened the door, and it got bright, and I could see like what looked like dust. Like that's what it looks like. It looks like dust, like as if you were seeing like it on acid, right? Like dust starts to form trails, right? It slows down. I look out, and I'm it's just bright all of a sudden. And I look out towards my driveway across the street, and there's a tree there. And I swear to you, this thing went, this thing was running in place for about two seconds. It went from two dimensional to three dimensional, blurry. It was made out of shadow. And this thing was massive, like massive. 
hairy, massive. Uh, it looked like it had like a almost cartoonish with like its shoulders and long arms. And <laughs> it ran across the street to the side of my, my uh, neighbor's garage. It looked at me and I could see the light glimmering off its muscles. All I could see was white eyes, like a diamond shaped head, like, like right in the middle, like no neck. And it just, it was like, I swear to God, 10 feet tall. And it like put its hand up at the top of the garage looked over and then faced me and then i just was like nope not today and i closed the door <laughs> wow what a trip how hard was so the hair on the back of your neck at that me. point <laughs> it's not the first time man like i i've seen some weird shit that i can't explain but it's like what people would call paranormal i just call normal yeah you know and that's what got me into what i do today which is to talk about this shit right you know i go into spiritual aspects of different kinds mm -hmm. to be able to explain what I saw and only to realize that this world is fucking dark and fucking weird. And it's, it's all around us, you know, and I, I guess I got an early glimpse of this shit, you know, but as we get closer to this planetary alignment in uh, October 23rd, 2024, I believe we're going to be all seeing this kind of shit. That's and, and that's why I wonder. Used to it. That's why I wonder. Have you heard of many people that see UFOs and others can't? That'd be an interesting. Yes. Yeah, it's like then some people are on a certain I, vibration. If you know what I mean. That's what I, I'm coming from with that question. Some of us can really see things, and yeah, some can't. Some some people just have their head too far up their ass to see things that are right in mm. front of them. Well, too, if you too put it into the collective consciousness. People will start to share that vibe. Like, I, I've told this is a thing that I tell everyone in my life. I give them sort of a disclaimer here. I'm like, if you're gonna hang out with me, you're gonna notice some weird shit. Yep. If you're gonna spend any time around me, you're gonna start noticing things. It does. It, it's like my an attraction now. to you. Yeah. Yeah. My trauma, though, you know, hmm. trauma. I think there's a, a connection between people who have, <clears throat> and I want, I would like to see if there is a connection to it with people who have been diagnosed with PTSD, mm -hmm. having experiences with the abnormal or the strange or the paranormal. Well, I think it's neat. I've noticed in, in my just personal things, not through major studies on the internet, is that it's near death experiences. People um, have had a lot of, of that sort of stuff. So this should have pretty much died. I was in a coma for three days or blah, blah, blah. You know, like, or I was, I was in a car accident. I should have died. These sort of people, they seem to be very open-minded. And I think there's a split between our reality and the heavens or, or the spiritual reality where they were meant to go, but somehow they stayed here because it was, it was virtually like a, um, I should not be, you know, you hear that, I should not be here, really. When you, and then bang, 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 they'll tell you, so it could even be a near miss. There's something in the psych, I think, in people that takes us to between the dimensions of um, here and there. And, you know, I've just noticed that. Have you ever come across any of that sort of stuff? You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, but see, like, PTSD is like the psychological part of you that's been so traumatized that yeah. your your mind thinks you're going to die, right? Mm -hmm. And then it leaves that mark on you, right? So 
the Native Americans here, the Indians, they believe that a person who died was still and then came back was living both in this reality yeah. and whatever dimension halfway, you know? And, uh, and uh, I believe that. No, because mm. I mean, how can I explain the weird shit I've seen? And I've been, I've been, I'd say either lucky or, or burdened enough to have these things. And, and I, and like I've said before, all I can pray for now is a catastrophic disclosure of all things so I, that when uh, everyone can be awakened to that same thing, cause we don't learn from good shit. We learn from pain. That's what we learn for. And unfortunately, even if it sucks for me and other people, which I don't want, Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, I must admit, of it. yeah, through through hardships of my life, I'm more passionate to my children, I believe, than what I would be otherwise. So that Thanks. makes sense. Yeah, it's like, like the housing, just that alone. It's like shit. The opportunities I had to what you guys have got now, you know, and that's not being a pussy bitch to them. It's just like a, a reality, you know. It's just like fuck. You, yeah. you guys are gonna be doing it pretty hard you know compared to what i did i mean i did it hard <laughs> enough but now it's just like astronomical you know i wanted to i wanted to share with you that uh the band uh you've heard of the cult right oh yeah yep. the band the cult the oh yeah band. it used to be goth and then they went like uh one of know, my the, favorite the songs is one of those yeah i forget the yeah, name yeah that's but... what got me into acdc as a young man yeah, uh, oh, I love that. I forget the name of it now. That's oh, the most popular, probably, song. Yeah, I don't know much about them, but I know one song there that's just like, whoa, yeah. That's a trip. That takes me, oh, that gave me a flashback. The cult, bloody hell. Are they still going? Yeah. They wouldn't be going now. That was like 70, early 80s, wasn't it? The cult. They're still going. They just yeah. lost everything after nine uh, eleven. Like, like a lot of those bands that were really popular kind of fell off the earth for the mm. new agenda, which is anesthetizing. Oh, music this this is... music's crap, mate. This music, this day and era, it's disgusting. All it is is satanic and um, debauchery. That's all it is. Like just about every video clip, every performance now, it's right in your face. It's disgusting. Yep. We've reached the bottom of the barrel, yep. as far as I'm concerned. We That's society, yep. Society once um, le leisurely um, condensation and handouts come about. That's when you start losing society. And um, I think 250 years, roughly, is about the time of a society breakdown or uh, empire. And we're sort of under a world empire now. So we are due actually for a world collapse. And uh, in the Western yep. Hemisphere, at least, I don't know about Russia and China. I think they'll just keep soldiering on doing their thing because they're not influenced by all these corruptions, you know. They say in, they say in Rome, all right, this is the weird thing about it, uh, taking a little bit off topic, but I want to, while you're on here, you might have or ask someone. <clears throat> They say that Nero um, <clears throat> uh, went and played the fiddle or whatever. They, I think that's the thing, the fiddle. But the that organ wasn't created, or whatever he was supposed to be playing, right? Or wasn't created till about 150, 200 years later, apparently. I was wondering, with all the bells and all the um, whistle uh, bells and whistles, as a pun that we use now, oh, you know, oh, bells and whistles. 
was that he was trying to get Rome back in order. I think someone had corrupted his um, orchestra in the... Um, I think these big bells, you know how you see them in, in um, old concerts back in um, 1800s and everything, I think they were to harmonise people. And bells, there would seem to be an attack on bells. That's another interesting one you might want to bring up, Moj, but in one of your shows, is the attack on bells. That's a yeah. fascinating study, man. Why were they getting rid of bells? Why didn't they? And why did they change 432 hertz to 440 in the key of A? What's going on here? It's like we are living in the complete opposite of what we should be living. It's like they're turning everything completely away. Um, I, I heard of a um, an insider to child abuse, and they they say or she says the very, not. And I always sort of threw energy or portholes and stuff like that while they do it. But she says it's because it's the most blasphemy to innocence and to God, you know. Like these people, or so-called us, like human humanoids, that are working on a level to um, debase God of whatever you call God. Like, I mean, a good person. You're yeah. dealing with an invasive, like species that looks human, seems to be, but is not. Yeah, that it is, really does uh, seem that, to be. That walks alongside us, that has been in control for a very long time and has changed stuff. And when they don't get their way, they destroy it. Mm. And they know what's happening, too. If you look at the past archaeology of different civilizations that have lined up with this planetary alignment, uh, they've pretty much, you know, almost all of those cities eventually became abandoned, mm. right? Or lost all of their research sources, over over forested, over hunted, over, uh, and we're going through that <clears throat> that cycle right now. And right now, what I believe is those in power want to do whatever they can to maintain control, mm-hmm. um, even if it means they have to go into hiding. And and going into like everything goes into cycles. We're in the tyranny stage right now, and the tyranny stage is the most decadent, which leads to a collapse. Eventually, goes into a dark age that becomes one that becomes feudal, and it goes through all those systems again, where we start over. And I mean, if you look, I mean, there's fucking Mark Zuckerberg, right? You've heard mm-hmm. about his bunker, and and like, oh, why yeah. the hell is oh, he billi- learning, oh, uh, many many billionaires. Yeah, they they build bunkers everywhere. Yep, they build them uh, bunkers James everywhere, was man. The first one I heard in New Zealand was the one uh, he built this. He bought all this land in New Zealand and built an underground bunker over there. Mm. Um, something's happening. Either they're going to hide, or they are preparing for something that. I, I heard in April they're going to do it all. They're going to um, shut down the internet for about ten days to two weeks, and everything just virtually shut down. And then they're going to white hats, so called, are going to take over and then um, start talking to everyone. And they're going to. Oh, I had this weird thing anyway this morning. I was, I was half asleep, but he reckons like in April that's when everything's going to go to shit. I think it's in this month that the financial is going to collapse, to be honest with you. I think they're going to bring in the, the so-called, yeah, a big financial collapse like the Great Depression on steroids. 
But this other guy well, talks about a, a comet coming, what they call the devil's comet with horns. Mm-hmm. And then there's an eclipse that has happened twice, and it seems to cross over in an area uh, that has hit, uh, that has been crossed over twice. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the last hack, supposedly, or solar flare, both seem to kind of coincide with each other, right? Yeah. So there was a hack, but there also was multiple solar flares. So both yeah. happened. Yeah, and another and this, another weird thing is the moon's turning to blood, apparently, like rust iodizing. So that'd be like revelation sort of material, I think, or Isaiah or something talked about that, where the moon will be turned to blood. And um, yep. so these these well, other aspects, Euphrates dried up, that's a prophecy. We yep. might be in the Great Tribulation, you know what I mean? The Great Rebellion, that's why everyone's seeing shit, you know, truckers everywhere and, and farmers and everyone's seeing it. It's like revelation. Well, that's what revelations is, isn't it? the great revealing you know people are seeing through the well, curtain if you look at all of the if you look in through all the different religions and stuff you know they're all kind of definitely connected i mean if i if you look at what you know the description of ragnarok and and, and revelation mm. there's a lot in that that is very similar <laughs> um but i i think that there are some things that are prophecy and then there's some that are man made prophecy in order to make prophecy become prophecy mm-hmm and, and and in order to find validation, like yes, we're the we are the ones. You got to follow what we say and do what we, we yeah. tell you, because it's this prophecy, right? And in, as much as people want to blame Satanism, the the left hand path is a is a darker path that's been around since man created fire. The the light and the battle between light and dark is battles that we fight within ourselves. But those things are also manifested. I mean, I think I've talked to you about the conscious yin yang and will and intent and that sort of thing that has been talked about through uh, magic orders and different things. And, and um, the separation thing just seems like it's a way to also separate us as well. Yep. Well, it's all about division, really, when you think about it. Everything's about division, dividing us all, whether it's family politics religion country you know if they if they haven't got a um strong people they can't get away with it so that's the whole thing with immigration mass immigration through europe now look at it it's freaking unbelievable um well, it's all tied uh, together the transhumanist thing is i mean we're just talking about uh, trans right now right mm-hmm. like uh you know that if you look at the uh salve and coagula symbol with baphomet with his arm up and and that alchemy, right? That's that's become the 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 message of this uh, uh, authoritarian fascist, you know, left. I think as above, so below. Yeah. 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 All you those know? set of chaos. It's very old. Oh yeah, we know their rules and that people behind the scenes like us that that know these things, but um, the most popular don't know they just think it's it's an organic evolution of life but it's not it's a it's a um a stage <laughs> it's just been, you're being played you know oh look 5g is good because it's nothing to do tell me how many people have got better internet since this so-called 5g rollout in the last few years yeah bullshit 
<clears throat> all it is is a surveillance system that's been built around you. You're, they're building a prison around you already, let alone the 15-minute city aspects. But we see it on a different level when we're, we're not awake to it all. You know, it was, I, I said this about the uh, jibby-jab. Um, when it yep. was straight from the start, you go back to my shows two years, three years ago, you can hear it. I was adamant and I was angry and pissed off and a new family and everything that went through that sort of protocol. And I'm like, fucking hell, man. Like, this is bad. Like, no. And now everyone's, oh, yes, we've had, um, what, 27 million die from it and blah, 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 and all this other bullshit. Not alone the um, millions or billions that have got neurological problems and everything from an <clears throat> experiment. And, but if and you uh, if you talk about it, I eat their ninth shot. Yeah, yeah, there's still people getting it. It's still <laughs> it blows my mind. It really does blow my mind. Yeah, me too. Well, I can tell you one thing. Um, you can tell me if my observation is incorrect. They legalized weed out here to take away people's gun rights. They got everybody on pharmaceuticals so they'd be uh, easy to control and take away their gun rights out here. Uh, that's one of the things I think that it, that nobody really sees as they start to – because out here, I mean – Keep your guns, know, man. They're giving, they're giving guns to illegals now. Mm-hmm. Bury the they, bastards. They, don't give them in. Away. Don't give them in. I wish I'd have known. I was too young when they done the ban here. Oh, if I'd had had them, I just would have. They would have went underground for sure. But a gun's only as good as the um, armament that you've got. You know, that's the problem. You could have yeah. a nice gun there, but it's the yeah. You need the bullets. So that's important. I don't know if people think about that. You know, oh well, I've got a gun. Big warp. I mean, I, I haven't. I think about that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, realistically, yeah. Just being realistic about having a gun. It's like, oh, I've got this gun. Especially when someone says, oh, I've got about eight or ten of them. It's like, I just shake my head. It's like, why well, don't just have one or two at the most? They had the same caliber. What do they call it? Caliber? Is, is that the terminology? Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, but you also become a target too. Guns make sound, and how are you supposed to defend yourself against people with training? Well, if you don't have, if you, yeah, if you don't have the training, you can own all the guns you want. <laughs> I can tell you exactly how you do it. Crossbow, and I've got, a, a, I've got an arsenal. I've got an arsenal of bows and arrows here, mate, that will blow your mind. And fucking boomerangs. Yep. You hit him with yeah, a fucking boomerang. That shit pretty soon, huh? <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously. No, that serious, you want yeah, still you talked that. about it. Yeah, here it is. I've I've got it, mate. You won't hear me coming in the night. You'll be dead within seconds without no one ever knowing about it. Head'll be on the ground before you even <clears throat> Someone comes up my uh, this thing that I've got, I've got the most powerful um even compound as well. I've got that much art artillery oh, here. Cool. That ain't no. It's um. This one's a compound. The one that I've got. It's freaking. It was worth a lot of money. She's sitting right in front of me. Actually, she's my trophy. And this thing, man, it'll go through three cows. I reckon. It just. <laughs> adios, amigos. I got a hundred. That's 
I got a hundred and ninety pound crossbow that shoots eight fucking arrows, man. I got yeah. fucking, uh I got the Cobra adder. You gotta watch them because the, the arrows aren't cheap, man, to get them. Like for a uh, I got the highest compound. This I've got a hundred and eighty pound man. I'm telling you, I can hardly cock this thing. It is that fucking yeah, hundred like it is. I can't. I can only just cock it. No shit. Some days I can't even pull it back. It's that compound. Yeah, but that thing will go you know through thing, the tribe of freaking animals, yeah. man. It's just how to online right now. There's a how-to online of how to make ninja smoke bombs, like the kind <laughs> you see in the movies and shit. Oh, yeah, we don't want to talk uh, about that. That's us. That's us. <laughs> Chlorine no, mixed with brake fluid mind. sort of stuff. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> we don't know anything about that. Well, we're going well until then. Let's get back to crossbows and guns. <laughs> my, 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 my favorite... My favorite thing is that everybody says about Canada and you can't and guns in Canada. And I are you from Canada? Yeah, buddy. Poor bugger. Run on, man. I'm sorry. You fucking. <laughs> fucking He's sorry. I'm so sorry. We but feel I for you, Woody. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade where I live for anything. I'm. I'm. I'm in a very secure location with plenty of um, options for. We feel for you, safety. No, I got you. I'm just saying that, like, I, you know, as I feel for our, you know, for Australian brothers and our Canadian brothers, man. Uh, you guys fucking... aren't in any better shape either, so. Yeah. No. We're virtually no, Canada. Yeah. yeah, pretty We're much. We're all fucked. All, all of our countries are fucked. Really? Yeah, right. yeah. I was talking really? to a buddy from Ireland, too. He was telling me the fucking bullshit oh. going on there, too. Yeah. Like... Sad. Fucking, you know, it almost makes you want to fucking, you know, help. But like, how do you help? Like, everything's fucking like, you know. I guess what we have to do is, you know, they're trying to impose a a collective, imposed collective consciousness on us, like a new cybernetic collective, and we have to create our own, uh, you know, hybrid mind of of like minded individuals that think and can talk and speak freely, and. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'm grateful, you know, to, yep. to, uh, to, to at least know you a little bit, Oz, and, and, and it's good to meet you too, my Canadian brother. And, uh, you know, I hope we all can withstand the fucking madness that they're trying to put on us, you know? Mm. It's coming, coming together, you know, like, that's the thing, you know, understanding each other's issues where we are in each country as well. That's the whole thing about it, I guess. It's just like, yeah, Woody can be a pain in the ass, you can be, or I can, whatever. We can all be a pain in the ass, but you can understand the situation at hand. You know, we're not general bad, bad people. We make mistakes. We might even come on here and all this sort of crazy shit. That's the beauty yeah. of even a platform like Podbean. We get to, and and we get to hear um, of tyranny that the um, mainstream media won't show us, you know. We've got friends from Iran fuck, all over the world, you know. It's just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. So we can hear about these things. Oh, yeah. yeah, unless you're just an absolute prick, I guess. Well, you just... well speak for yourself. <laughs> I was trying to butter it down for you, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I was making uh, you comfortable, man. Dan, you ruined no, it. You can't, you can't make me uncomfortable. Mm, right. Yeah, bullshit. Give me time. Give me. Yeah, I can't. Hey, give me five minutes, mate. I'll make you very uncomfortable. To be honest with you, 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 you were close the one night, but. Uh... <laughs> nah. <laughs> hey, no, it's uh, all good. So yeah. Your name's Woody, right? I just have a question yeah, for you. I was watching during the trucker convoy. There were. <laughs> yep. You know, rebel media and, and different yep. um, news pundits were saying that some of those police officers that were there beating citizens uh, were from the uh, UN. Were from the UN. They weren't even speaking the, the, English. The, the, the majority of them were. The, all of the, all of the, all of the like stuff that you saw in the streets when they were moving in on the crowds and they were trying to crowd control and stuff all of those troops were none of none of those were local or regional police or anything and uh i i've got i've very close firsthand experience with that whole thing and i have a friend who lost they took two half a million dollar trucks and seized them they seized his business bank account his personal bank account his wife's business his bank account he's got five kids and fucking a million dollars in overhead that he's you know paying trying to pay and they, they've seized every asset and ability he's got to move any money uh, over we were sitting in a parking lot and we were told by the police that we, this is where we could go and we could set up shop and have fucking the bouncy castle for the kids and having barbecues and shit and like yeah it was it was pretty it was, that was that was a real eye-opener man I, i'm glad I, I am where i am and i'm in my this situation i'm in for after seeing shit like that go down shit man well I, i'm i'm like i said I, I i fucking you know i feel for you all man and and there are people uh down here that feel for you too and are rooting for you uh, you know one of the things i've noticed too here is there's this major focus uh at the southern border and then just recently we've been hearing about you know trudeau allowing uh you know some of these illegals and mass illegals come in through uh i think it's ottawa or is it Montreal? I'm not sure. And then they come down into New York and stuff. And so you got Greg Abbott, which is the leader of Texas that everyone's worshiping and practically sucking his dick right now. And he's taken the focus off the, 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 the north, uh, put all the focus on the southern border, but completely taken it off. And uh, I don't know about what your opinion is on this, too, but... Um, as you know, a lot of American shows were made in Canada, right? And a lot of those those movie stars and stuff are now like fucking activists, right? So would you assume that, like, say, a lot of Antifa people are um, a lot of far left people up in Canada coming down here? Would would, would that be a good assessment? Um, I would I would assume so. Yeah, I would assume so. Because I, I think the general majority of the population here is on the other side right now. And it, it it's hard because in like in Toronto, in Ottawa and Vancouver, for example, you have these mass populations in such a small, like high density, small um, land mass area. But the rest of the country is, is filled with people like us, man, like people that spend their fucking extra money on buying ammo and stocking up fucking shit and see the you know (laughs) 
see the light. Like, I'm from Toronto, and honestly, man, like, my fucking family's been completely brainwashed after this whole thing with the COVID, and, like, Oz talks about the shots, and it's, like, yeah, it's fucking, it's disheartening when your family, and they're on their seventh fucking shot, and scared to leave the house, because they're scared, like, scared to get sick, and, like, man, I don't, I live in the middle of fucking nowhere, in the middle of the mountains, and the other side of the country, and, like, I don't know, I don't watch news, I don't, I don't pay attention to the outside world for the most part. I found out tonight that Bob Marley, they made a Bob Marley movie, and I found that out on here, and most of anything that I find out or hear or know about the world outside my little bubble is only brought on from here, because I don't, I don't care or have time or see the relevance in putting my energy into any of it. Anything else? Is- <clears throat> I, I don't want to talk about it anymore, guys. I'll get up, have to go. Um, okay. Anyway. Yep. No, seriously. Because um, my brother had this shot, and that's what I'm wondering when the coroner report comes through is that myocarditis, which is probably highly likely. And um, that's the aspect that I'm really pissed off about. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really deep um, into my veins about this shit. Well, literally, metaphorically, and I um I don't know if I can do it. You know what I mean? I can't really talk about this situation. And get, at least can I play a song? I might come back in about um five minutes, and yeah, plus man. someone's yeah, here. All right, I just need a break. I need a freaking break, man. My my head's just um spinning. I'd, I'd love to do some Bigfoot talk after if, if that's yeah. Well, we can do all that yeah, sort of stuff lately. Bigfoot later yep we can do all that sort of stuff but at the moment i need a um a break actually from this because it's like my head's spinning but you're you're making all the sense in the world guys you really are anyway just put yourself on mute we'll play a song we might come back let's do it let's get some things in the perspective They're gonna take me out in two minutes, guys. So the show was ending. Go figure that. Hey, how you going, Hope? Yeah, got real, man. Got two real, my friend. I had to just pull ending anyway. Joining. Good to see you, mate. Was it Coca-Cola? Cruising. 
be back. I'll be back in a minute. If I say no, I'll be back in about five minutes, guys. I'll publish this. It was pretty cool. You don't mind if I publish it, everyone?